Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners and watchers. Welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host. Thank you so much for joining me wherever you are in the world right now. I'm so excited about our guest today, Sharon Hewitt Rollett. Does the universe hear the silent cry of our hearts? We all have experiences that seem too meaningful to be coincidence. How can we tell whether a coincidence is too improbable to be just chance? Is this a genuine message from God, angels, or our deceased loved ones? Sharon is the author of The Source and Significance of Coincidences, The Supreme Victory of the Heart, and her latest book is Beyond Death, The Best Evidence for the Survival of Human Consciousness. This is her story and this is her passion. Sharon, welcome to Passion Harvest. I am so excited to have you on the show today. I'm so grateful to be your guest. Thank you very much for inviting me. Well, you have three books which are fabulous, but there's one in particular that I'm so interested about, and that is synchronicities and coincidences, which I think affect all of us. Um, what are coincidences? It's probably my first well, question. <laughs> yeah, I tend to think of them as these events that they're not blatantly paranormal, but there's something going on there that won't let us look away. So we have maybe two things that happen in our life that seem like by themselves they are totally normal events, but they have a similarity of meaning for us that's so strong that we have a hard time believing that they must, that they can't be connected in some way, even though we can't see any normal way that they could, most people would say they were just chance, but the meaning and the significance for our lives, usually there's a very strong emotional connection to whatever is happening. It's so strong that we just find ourselves wondering, well, what's, what's behind this? There must be something more than I am able to see at this moment. So we have to investigate further. Are there, are there signs from the afterlife from the angels or our guides, potentially? I think they very well can be. Um, uh, part of what I am trying to do in my book, so it's called The Source and Significance of Coincidence. So in the whole uh, first section of the book, I'm trying to ask this question, well, where do they come from? What is the source of them? And I think there are many different answers. I think I have, I don't know, nine or 10 different chapters, each one about a different possible source. And so I try to um, provide some context for helping people figure out what the source of their own coincidences might be. So some of them, yes, I do think are actually ways for people who have died uh, to communicate with us, people that we've loved and who've loved us. Um, I think uh, some other coincidences actually can be communications from other living people, um, but that we're out of touch with for whatever reason, maybe they live very far away or um, we just haven't seen them in a while and something will happen 
that seems very clearly connected to them and carries a message for us. And we're like, oh, I, I really should get in touch with this person. And then you get in touch with them and it turns out, you know, they were thinking of you or there was something important going on in their life they wanted to share with you. So, so that's a definite source. Um, and then there are these other um, more amorphous coincidences, a little bit harder to pin down. Um, they seem to be coming from some larger intelligence. Um, and some people would automatically say, oh, well, that's God. Um, if, if you uh, have a belief in a particular uh, deity, I tend to, to like to steer away from that word because I don't know, I like to stick to the evidence. So um, the evidence that I see is that clearly there is some force, some personality interacting with us that is very intelligent and it seems to be beneficent. It is trying to help us in various ways. Um, but it, I don't want to put a label on it just yet. So, you know, sure. I, I give this whole, I give this whole, um, there's a, there's a chapter about uh, God and sort of universal being, but then I have a chapter about angels and guides. Um, and I don't think it's always clear exactly who it is in each case. Um, but I think we, we do have helpers of some kind that are, that are wiser than we are. Thanks. Thank you for answering that. And you kind of touched on it, but what can they teach us? I think the main thing that coincidences teach us, I mean, apart, each of us has some, you know, very specific individual lessons that we may need to learn, but overall looking at lots of different people, I think the main thing that they teach us is how to listen to our own intuition and how to listen to our own heart. And that certainly has been the case in my own life because I tend to be a very uh, analytical person. I've got like a PhD in philosophy and, and not just any kind of philosophy, but specifically analytical philosophy is wow. what it's called. Okay. <laughs> so very much into analyzing and systematizing and breaking things down very much in my left brain. Um, and so in my life, I really didn't, I wasn't in touch with my intuition very much like I, I didn't feel like I was psychic in any way. Um, but then I started having these coincidence experiences and these things that were, you know, manifesting in the external world it, strongly enough to get my attention and, and make me pay attention to what they were saying. And it was through that process of paying attention to the coincidences and seeing the patterns that I started to clue into my own intuition. So I think coincidences um, can direct us to listen to ourselves. But even that process of learning how to listen to your own intuition can be a little bit difficult, a little bit fraught. Um, let me give an example. The question a lot of people have is like, um, how do you, how do you know what a coincidence is telling you? Um, so this was very early in my coincidence journey, um, right after I left academia. Um, back in 2010. And I felt very strongly that I needed to leave academia and do something um, uh, that allowed me to write a wider range of, of material. And, but there were a lot of other things happening in my life at the time, I felt a little bit unsettled. Um, and so I wondered, well, had I made the right decision and leaving academia and striking out on my own. So to make myself feel better, I thought that I would go and look at all of the 
uh, academic philosophy jobs that had been advertised that year that I could have applied for. Um, and there's really only like a window of one month every year where you can apply for these tenure track positions for the following year. And that window had just closed. So I wasn't like I was actually going to apply for them, but I thought I'll go and look, I'll see what was advertised. And if there weren't any good jobs anyway, I'll feel really good about the decision that I made not to apply for any of them. So when I went to the website where all these jobs are listed, I found this one job that was in my home state of Virginia, um, where I was living at the time and where I was intending to live uh, for the future. But it wasn't just in Virginia, it was in like the most beautiful part of Virginia, the mountains, um, a place that I had some other connections to. And the job at this particular university was in my specialty, which is metaethics. And it's like, oh man, well, this, I hadn't seen a job like that on the market for a few years. I was like, wow, this job. Um, and then I read a little further and saw that this particular job was still open for applications for another like three weeks or so. For some reason, they had a longer application period. So I was like, well, I guess this is a sign I'm supposed to apply for this job. So I went through all the process of you know, redoing my resume and getting new reference letters and everything. And as I was finishing that up too, I realized I needed to send a packet of stuff to uh, my alma mater, uh, NYU, because they were going to send my reference letters on along with it. And when I realized that I needed to send them this stuff, I realized at the same time that I had already planned a trip to New York City the very weekend that I needed to get these materials to them. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just go in person. I'll just hand it to them at the desk. Seemed like another sign, like everything's lining up the way it's meant to be. Well, I get to New York um, and I'm there for like three days and I don't go to NYU. Like I, like I carry around these application materials with me, but I just don't go for whatever reason. And finally, my last full day in the city, I was eating breakfast, uh, downtown um, in this apartment, uh, my friend's apartment where I was staying, and I'm just eating breakfast. And I look out the window across the street, and there's this office building across the street with all these people, you know, working in their offices. It's like 9 a.m., and I just kind of look at them, and it reminds me of what it was like to work in an office in academia, and you know, have to get dressed up to go to work. I don't like dressing up; it's not who I am. <laughs> um, I, I like to be outside, I like to be gardening, all this, yeah. be with animals. Um, so, so I'm looking at this, I'm just like, this is terrible. That looks terrible. I just have this overwhelming feeling of dread and like my stomach is all tied up in knots. Uh, at that moment, I said, you know, I don't care what the coincidences are saying. I am not applying for this job. I don't want to go back to academia. So I just, um, that day when I went out in the city, I just left the application materials in my room. I said, I'm just not doing it, you know, to heck with the coincidences. So that evening I was having dinner with uh, my friend that I was staying with and I was just kind of, uh, I was telling him about some other coincidences that I had experienced that day. But um, in particular, I was telling him about these number coincidences that I had been having for a few months. Um, at, maybe you have a, a specific number that comes up for you is that like when you're looking at the clock and you always see the 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 synchronistic yeah numbers? that happens yeah yeah do you but have a number that you see there's not a particular number but i very very often see certain numbers i don't necessarily know what it means someone said well 
think about what you're thinking at the time. I don't, I'll leave you the expert to answer that for me. I don't have a particular <laughs> number, but this, it happens all the time. Well, let's come back to that. I'll finish this. Oh, okay. and let's talk about number <laughs> of coincidences specifically. Okay. So um, for, for me, it's been 33, like ever since I started noticing coincidences, 33 has just come up at very important times. Uh, I have been experiencing a lot of them in New York on that trip. And I was just telling my friend about this and um, it, he was a little bit skeptical, but I was like, I just want you to, you don't have to like believe that this means anything. I was like, but I'm going to mention it every time I see one. So just so yeah. you know what's going on. So we had that discussion at dinner and then we were walking um, back towards his apartment and uh, he's an architectural journalist. So he was like pointing out um, important buildings uh, in lower Manhattan. And he points out this one uh, that was designed by Philip Johnson, it turns out. And uh, I was looking at it and I was like, well, that that looks really familiar. That's the building that I was looking at this morning when I decided to not apply for that academic job. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's right across from my apartment. That's 33 Maiden Lane. Oh. So and we, we walk up to it and there's like the address plaque right there on the building says 33 Maiden Lane. And... I knew like it was like a check mark on the coincidence because what I realized is okay, those coincidental events that sort of led me to think that I was supposed to apply for that job, mm -hmm. they weren't misleading me so much as testing me and giving me an opportunity to tune in to my own feelings, right? Because I was feeling wishy-washy. I was well, not wishy-washy, but I, I was feeling some doubt. And, and so the external circumstances gave me this chance to look, say, here's the perfect job. If you, if you want to go back to academia, this is the perfect job for you to take and go through this whole process and just really visualize what it was going to be like to be back in that situation and realize, no, absolutely not i'm not doing it so it helped me tune in like and it wasn't the coincidences that told me what to do but they allowed me to figure that out for myself I love and then that. once i had they were like all right check <laughs> 33 you got the message and i think a lot of coincidences are like that um even some of the ones that we experience and we think it's a clear message um, we think, well, obviously it means this. Um, really, we've done a lot of interpreting in our mind to get to that point. And we've used our intuition already to figure out what the coincidence means. I think, mm -hmm. I think we have to. Um, so, so yeah, coincidences, they're not as, well, I was going to say they're, they're not they're not as clear as people think. Sometimes they are. They can be very very clear. If the message, if the universe really wants to get a clear message to you, it can. It can get you an unambiguous message as to what to do when the when the most important thing is for you to make a specific decision, um, to do a specific material thing. But I think it's much more common for coincidences to just put you in a position where you have to reflect and make the decision yourself. I love that. I, I want to move on to numbers. I'm, I'm just thinking about all the times I get numbers. But first, I just wanted to say, you know, the, for a question perhaps from the audience is I ask for coincidences or signs all the time. I've got important decisions to make and I'm not receiving them. 
what, what what's your advice well I've been there. I know what that feels like. I went through basically like 10 years of my life getting nothing uh, in response to my questions. Um, and I think that ties into uh, what I was just saying. I really think everybody's different and, and every period of your life is different. And so if you're going through a period of your life where you're asking for signs and you're not getting them, that's your sign. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. your sign that it's time for you to make that decision yourself. It's time for you to figure out what's important to you. It's time for you to use the information that you have been given and trust that you can make a decision and everything will be okay. So let me just say really quickly about my own experience, because I think it tends to help people frame it when you get a story. So um, in my own experience, I actually, uh, when I was in college, I, I had been a Christian up until that time. And then, you know, you go to college, you learn about a lot of other things, you really expand your worldview. And um, I felt like there wasn't any evidence for God, like I always just believed in God, because the people around me did, or it seemed self evident. Um, but then when I actually looked for the evidence, I didn't see it. Uh, but I really didn't want to leave Christianity. And so I continually prayed to God, give me a sign that you're still there. Like show, you know, show me if, if, if I'm wrong about you not existing and nothing. I, I mean, these were desperate, desperate prayers, like crying, you know, every night before bed, like God, give me a sign and, and absolutely nothing at all. And so that's one you know, I left Christianity, I became an atheist for basically 10 years after that. And now, um, so, so after that, I started experiencing um, some very interesting coincidences that eventually became um, very hard to ignore and, and changed my view about whether there was a God or not. I do think that there is a, a greater intelligence. Um, but I have learned to, to look back on that time when I wasn't getting any answers as a very important period of growth in my life. Because I now think that if back when I was in college and was praying so desperately for a sign, if I had been given anything, I would have automatically assumed that that sign was coming from the God that I had been taught about as a child. And, and honestly, although there were some really good things about that picture of God that I grew up with, there were also some really negative and limiting things about it. It was a very um, judgmental picture of God. I felt a lot of guilt connected to my childhood religion. And so any, any whisper of a sign that I had gotten would have made me feel like, oh, that was the right place for me. I have to go back. I have to believe those things again. But giving me 10 years to just kind of be on my own and to figure things out for myself helped widen my worldview. And then when these signs that I had longed for 10 years ago finally started manifesting in my life, I realized that it wasn't necessarily that God, that it actually could be a much more loving, accepting presence that was trying to reveal itself to me. 
So it, I, it was a much more healing experience than it would have been 10 years previously. Saying, you know, if the signs aren't coming, it's not because no one's listening or no one cares, um, but it's because a sign wouldn't do the most good for you at that time. Um, and when it's when it's the right time for there to be a sign, it will it will show up. And and I will say that when those signs finally started appearing for me, they weren't telling me what to do whatsoever. I mean, I have had coincidences that seemed more like they were directing me, but at that time, the overwhelming message was simply, you're not alone. Because that was also a traumatic period. And it was just knowing I've been, I'm here. I know what you're going through. I've been here all along, even though you haven't seen me, but you're not alone in this. Beautiful. Well, let's move on to the numbers. I mean, many, many, many people talk about this and get them all the time. So yes, numbers and constantly looking at the clock or even receiving text messages or emails. I always notice that when they're consecutive numbers. I need to come up with a term for the for those numbers where it's just the repeating digits because those do seem to, they stand out to people and certainly like my number 33 that's a repeating digit and there's something um there's something that seems um non-accidental about it even when it yeah it's just a clock but it's like somebody is trying to say something put a stamp on it um but but that's where the intuition is so important because it's like because you already you already know the importance of it, and and if you if you laid out say I don't know the ten most important projects that you had started with people, and then you looked at those and saw well how many of those had important number coincidences, I think that it's very likely that the number would be above chance. Yeah, um, I like to talk about statistics too. <laughs> I know but, you do. Um, I've had a good look through your book. <laughs> um, back to your incredible uh, book. You talk about miracles. Do miracles occur? They do. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, so they're kind of, to me, they're, they're kind of the polar opposite, well, not polar opposite of coincidences, but like where coincidences are these really subtle events that you say, well, maybe it's just chance. A miracle is just in your face. Like there's no way that that could have, could have happened without the intervention of some other force in your life. And so, you know, if, if the coincidences aren't quite getting your attention, then sometimes we do need like a blatant miracle <laughs> to come in and say, no, look, there, we're here, we're taking care of you and everything is under control. Yeah. Um, or at least that seems to be the, the biggest message, I think. Because when I think of miracles, I think of some of these cases, like I um, talk about in the chapter of my book on angels and guides, these cases where, you know, people are they're driving and uh, suddenly there's this truck bearing down on them on the road and there's no place for them to go. And you know, the truck is out of control. Obviously they're going to hit them. And then suddenly they like shut their eyes because they're about to be, you know, killed in this highway accident. They open their eyes and the truck has disappeared and they like turn around and there's no truck behind them. Like it's just gone. Um, so unexplainable. Those things like, yeah, where do you even start trying to explain what happened? I mean, was was the truck never there to begin with? Was the truck there? But then where did the person go who was driving? I mean, who knows? Um, but there's a clear benefit to you in, 
you were clearly protected in, in a very blatant way. Uh, and I think, I think it's really important um, to see coincidences within the context of those, those miracle stories as well, uh, because people who haven't experienced the, the blatant miracles, but they have experienced some coincidences and they're wondering, well, could this be meaningful? Could this not be meaningful? Once you understand how much the universe is capable of, and I mean, in other situations, you realize, yeah, it's more likely than not that this is this is the universe trying to to take care of me or to tell me something important. Yes, I, I feel we're always being guided, but when I mean, you've spoken about maybe it's not the right time or sometimes we need to listen or take notice of it. Many people want to connect with loved ones from the afterlife. Do you feel that they're trying to offer us signs or symbols or synchronicities as well? I do, I do. And I think that they, I think there's a lot of evidence for that. The chapter on coincidences coming from the deceased is actually the longest one in my book um, because I lay out a lot of, first of all, a lot of evidence that life does go on after death because some people, they don't know whether that even makes sense. But I try to show, no, that there's a lot of evidence that we do go on after death. Um, and then I specifically talk about the coincidences that, that come from people and how um, the different ways that the deceased manifest themselves. For me, the biggest question coming out of this, I mean, very typical um, coincidences coming from the deceased uh, will be, you know, an animal that will come to you, like a, a favorite animal of this person that will appear just when you were thinking about them or wondering like, you know, are they okay? And then that animal will appear or um, uh, maybe, you know, a favorite, well, actually, here's here's one of my favorite cases because this is oh great, um, I love examples. this is a pretty obvious one. Yeah. yeah. So in this one case, um, I think it was a, a woman whose father had died, and it was right before her birthday, I guess, and and that was kind of hard for her. Um, but then the next year on her birthday, she got a birthday card from her father that he had actually posted before he died, like it was for her previous birthday, but it hadn't arrived and somehow had gotten lost in the mail and arrived exactly on her birthday the following year. So it, in a way, it's kind of a number coincidence or it's a timing coincidence because it arrived specifically on that day. And that's what makes it stand out is not just, well, this got lost in the mail, but you know, no, it got lost for specific reasons so that it would show up on this day. You'd have a message that was clearly concretely written by your father, um, but also is showing you that he's he's still there and he's watching out for me for you from the other side. Oh, that's beautiful. And that, I mean, that, that, how can that be chance? It's just the odds are incredible. I've certainly had uh, mail uh, lost in the mail uh, during COVID. It's been very common. Um, but even the mail that gets lost for quite a while, um, you know, I think six weeks was like the max. So to have a piece of mail get lost for 365 days plus and then to arrive on the one day out of those 365 that would have been the most meaningful. Um, yeah, there's a one in 365 <laughs> chance. So you, uh, yes, I mean, day. yes, that's a very obvious sign. But as you mentioned, there are signs yeah. that sometimes people ignore, whether it's an animal or a, a feather or, or even more subtle thoughts that come into your head. 
often the thoughts will come first. And I'm sure I'm sure you have experience with this. That, so the thoughts will come first. But to somebody who's not used to, who's not a, a professional medium or has never had any sort of mediumistic communication, you know, they'll just think, well, I just, you know, I'm thinking about that person or I'm just imagining this thought that came into my head. And sometimes you'll need then this external coincidence that will reaffirm and say, no, something really odd is going on here. You need to pay attention to what's going on in your head. And I've had that too, where actually, yeah, I think frequently when I get something in my head that seems like a message from somebody that's passed on, um, somebody that I that I knew, um, I'll feel like I got the message, but then I'll ask for a sign. I'll be like, well, I'm not sure if I'm really if I'm getting this or if it's really you. So could you do something specific to confirm that message? Um, and in the two cases that I can think of um, that I asked for that specifically, I got it. It was very clear confirmation. So yeah, like a, a validation. Yeah. To like, and I also have seen these cases where, because one of my biggest questions in looking at coincidences that came from the deceased is, well, why would the deceased use coincidences instead of a more direct form of communication? Um, and what I found is that there are actually a lot of cases where the coincidences will happen until the person starts tuning in more directly. So um, there, it's like the coincidences are the, are the knock on the door, the doorbell ringing. And once you open the door and actually like start talking to them in your head or, or sometimes in dreams, and some people are, are much more psychic in dreams. So once you open yourself up to having that conversation with this person, then the coincidences go away. So they were just there to get your attention and, and to, to establish the, the phone line, I guess. Yeah, that's such a great way to put it. Yes. Um, I'm jumping here, but there's just so many exciting things I want to discuss with you. You talk in your book about precognition. Do you mind just exploring that a bit more? Yeah, so precognition, uh, when you uh, know about something before it happens um, or you get some kind of inkling about it before it happens, sometimes it seems like you get a coincidence that's telling you about something that's going to happen in the future. Um, and actually, uh, so a lot of some things that people call coincidences, um, I actually wouldn't categorize as coincidences because I think of them as more blatant forms of precognition. So uh, some people, you ask them, have you ever had any weird coincidences? And they'll tell you, well, I, you know, I dreamt about my Aunt Mary um dying this particular morning and then the next day she died like what a weird coincidence and for me well that's not really a, that's not even a coincidence that's just clearly you had precognitive dream like yes. you were connected to aunt mary and you knew what was going to happen um so i think it's important uh i guess the thing is coincidences if you don't have a really good acquaintance with all of the paranormal phenomena that exists out there, then you tend to lump everything in the, into the coincidence basket, which is fine. I mean, that's, and then as you get 
more experienced, you start to categorize them and sort of pull them out of the coincidence basket. And it's like, well, well, actually that was me, you know, having a precognitive dream, or actually that was me, um, you know, being telepathically connected to someone. Uh, and so you start to have more categories to put things in. Uh, but certainly precognition is something that happens, happens all the time, um, especially in dreams. I think it's uh, for, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, I've kept a very careful dream journal. It's so fascinating to me to keep a record because there are often dreams that I don't even realize are precognitive and they, because they don't point to anything that happens that particular day. Um, it'll take a year or it'll take two years, but then the event that they were pointing to will happen on the exact day that the dream happened. So it'll be something like very run of the mill, like or, or well, this particular case, this is not so run of the mill, but um, there was a uh, a particular researcher, a parapsychology researcher that I met that I met that had a very peculiar name. I'm not going to say who it is, but um, but had a very peculiar name, and I was very excited to meet them, and it was a, it was a really interesting conversation. I went back to my dream journal, you know, a week or so after that. I just happened to be reading through it, and I discovered that. A year before that, I had had a dream about meeting someone with this peculiar name, which I didn't connect to the parapsychology researcher at that time, but I had dreamt about meeting them. And then there they were exactly a year later. So when you keep a record too, you get to, yeah. get to see a lot of these interesting connections. A lot more people are precognitive than they realize, but if you keep track, you might discover. Yeah, it's just remembering still, back or, you, you know, can... keeping a note of it, as you said, or a journal. Um, based yeah. On Based on all your research, particularly with synchronicities and symbols and coincidences, how can we live our best, most aligned life? This kind of goes back to the beginning of the interview. I think that tuning into your intuition and your heart and your passion, as, as you talk about on Passion Harvest, that is so important. And if you're not, if you're if you're going astray and you're not, you know, living your best life, you're you're maybe just doing what you think is expected of you or um, what you have to do for some reason, then often coincidences will come around to, to just alert you to the fact that there are other possibilities. Um, or sometimes they'll even come around to make you more uncomfortable <laughs> in your situation, to push you out of it. So um, if in your life, you feel like, well, every time um, you feel like you get in the same situation over and over again. So like every job I have this, you know, this happens to me and I just turn out to be miserable and this and this. Yeah. Or you have the same, the same thing happen in each relationship. It's, it's not just a coincidence. It's not just chance. There's a message there for you. You need to understand what, what that pattern is. And how can you make a choice that moves you away from that pattern? Um, I think there are real there are real lessons in the coincidences or the, the not so coincidental things that we experience. Um, and and we're not always ready to hear it the first time around or the second time around or the third time around. A lot of us we have we have to get to the our breaking point, the point where we're so frustrated or we're so miserable um, that we're 
you know, willing to take the risk to do something different in our life. And that's okay. Everybody moves at their own pace. Um, but ultimately, I think those coincidences can, can break open that, that shell that's been keeping you in that uncomfortable situation and, and guide you down another path. And also, once you take one step in that other direction, once you say, okay, I want something different, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to take a step in another direction, often you'll find that suddenly the coincidences start happening, but in a more positive direction. And they're, they're there to help you along and to provide you new opportunities in that new way. I, I believe that the universe greatly rewards you when you embrace your fears and follow your heart. Yeah. 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 Follow the heart and don't let the fear get in your way because there's, there, it's, there's such a great reward when you are doing what connects to your heart and your passion. And there's so much energy there. That's just like waiting to be released. Uh, that fear, that fear, if it keeps you from doing what you're passionate about, what you're made to do, it cuts you off from all of that energy. But if you're willing to brave that fear, then suddenly like the gates just burst open. You, at least I realize, well, I have so much energy than I, so much more energy than I ever even realized because it's energy that is made to flow in a certain direction. And if you keep damming it up and trying to put it in another direction, it's not, you're not, <laughs> you're going to feel like it's, it's ruining your life instead of, instead of creating this, this beautiful life. You've got to let the river flow the way that it wants to flow. Yeah, I completely agree. That was a beautiful way of explaining it. Now, a big congratulations on your latest book, Beyond Death. Um, do you want to just briefly describe to the audience what it's about? It sounds really exciting. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so it's a very, it's a much shorter book than the coincidence book. I try, this is a very condensed um, book. It's a very um, easy to read book, but it's a collection of the best evidence for an afterlife, for the survival of human consciousness after death. And so it takes the most evidential cases in um, cases of after-death communication, cases of uh, near-death experience, cases of past life memory, or, um, or children who remember the period between lives, uh, and puts all of those evidential cases together, shows what their evidential qualities are, and addresses some of the skeptical hypotheses that people have about this evidence, like, is it just, you know, we're having a psychic hallucination, like our own psychic abilities are able to create the illusion of an afterlife. Um, and I, and I explain why that's not the best explanation that really the survival um, of human consciousness after death is the best way to understand the things that we actually see in people's lives. Well, well I think you're doing yeah, so that's absolutely beyond death. Beyond death. Yeah. What wonderful work you're doing. Yeah. Um, Sharon, it's been such a delight to have you on Passion Harvest. Is there something you'd like to share that I haven't asked your question to share with the Passion Harvest audience? Honestly, I think what you were saying um, and what we were both saying about following your passion um, and following your heart and listening to your intuition, that really is the core of my coincidence book. Um, so it was really great when you asked me to be on this show because um, because the, the mechanics of it, I mean, 
my book, it's filled with all of these examples. Um, so, you know, people want more concrete examples. It's, it's filled with them. But I think, like we said earlier, honestly, when you, you've, you sift through all of the examples, the thing that comes out over and over again is listen to yourself, listen to your heart and, and let, let the, let the universe teach you how to listen to yourself. Um, the universe is much more, is much more benevolent than most of us grow up thinking it is or are taught that it is. Our, our culture tends to tell us, well, if you don't do everything right, then you're going to be miserable. And so if we're miserable, <laughs> we think it's all our own fault and, you know, it's always going to be this way. Uh, but in truth, the universe is always there trying to give us opportunities to uh, to live a more full life, a more rewarding life. And that is possible there. So you just have to look for those little clues. And, and, and it's not to say that, you know, suffering is a part of life. That difficult times are a part of life. Uh, it's there to help us grow, to help us understand ourselves better. But ultimately it's there for a purpose. I do deeply believe that, that any suffering that is there is, as difficult as it may be to believe when you're going through it, there is a, there is a purpose, there is a reward. There's something, there's something in this world that is so meaningful and, and is so worth experiencing and understanding that it's worth even, even some of the deepest suffering that people experience. And there is, there is hope, there is a goal beyond all of this. Perfect way to end yeah. the show, Sharon Brulette. Thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. Um, I can't wait to re-listen to this interview. And I mean, in summary, it's really about checking in and tuning in with self. And I love your message. Well, thank you so much for having me, Louisa. Thank you so much. Thank you for all the good work that you do. <laughs> you too. Bye. Bye-bye. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.